Hello and welcome again to Podcast in the Woods. As always, I am your host, Boomer, and joining me today is my wonderful and amazing co-host, Gabby. How are you doing this evening, Gabby? Off. <laughs> hey, I, you know, we kind of expressed that, yeah, before, uh, before we started. Um, I'm feeling the same way uh, here, but here we go. We've got a very special episode for you guys today. We are doing something a little bit different. So we've always talking about our opinions on on movies and a lot of times we come down and we agree but there are certain things that we uh that we disagree on and we have different apparent uh different different guy i'm gonna get this out oh my goodness this is not starting well for me <laughs> different opinions on things and so you know through that we decided maybe it would be a a lot of fun to have a debate between between ourselves and there was a couple of them that we thought of but the the banger and i know this is this is very divisive so this is actually uh this this is going to be pretty neat uh is hereditary versus midsommar the ariaster uh i, I was going to say that doesn't even make sense i was going to say trilogy <laughs> what would you call that duology i would call it the they're opposite i don't know they're opposite yeah Opposite films. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of, well, uh, you know, in, in one way they're similar, whereas, you know, they, they both kind of have to do with folk horror in, in a way one, one's very much more witchy than, uh, than the other one is involving demons and stuff like that. While the other one is, uh, you know, involving cults, but you know, in, kind of in their own way, they, they, they fit together. This was a very, Ari Aster type of thing to do that you have your expectations and you have your moments that you think are shocking, but then everything's kind of turned on its ear. The reason that I know that you felt that way, and I believe that you felt that way the entire time you were watching this is because you already saw it before with Hereditary. Because Ari Aster, while he is ridiculously talented and very original, even his semi-recycled idea in Midsommar is semi-recycled from Hereditary. It's still very original. It feels very original. But the one thing that I will say is this movie felt every fucking second of its two and a half hour runtime. This movie was far too long. It was filled with so much unnecessary mess. There were too many things in this movie that were too much that we didn't need all of that. And when you do that, especially with something so highly anticipated, you're going to lose so many people. And what he did differently with Hereditary is Hereditary did have a long runtime, not as long as Mitzmar, but nobody knew what to expect with Hereditary. So the anticipation in Hereditary was different from the anticipation in Mitzmar because you were anticipating not knowing what to anticipate. That makes a better movie. For my opening arguments, I'm going to say, 
again, Ari Aster, we salute you. I cannot wait to see all of the things that you do with your, the rest of your career, even if it's not horror. I think that Ari Aster is an amazing storyteller. However, I think that he came out with his short film, which was all of the things, shocking, suspenseful, weird, unexpected. And everybody was like, well, what the hell else is he going to do? Then he came out with Hereditary. Hereditary is, while I will not agree with people who say that it's scarier than The Exorcist, for me personally, it was. I don't think in general it would be. Um, he came up with something, maybe not as scary as The Exorcist, but it was as original as The Exorcist. In that, he told a story about basically a possession. It was a demon story that everybody's heard a million times in their lives. However, he took that and he ran with it and he made it personal and he made it a whole new story within the story. That is unbelievable. And that is where Hereditary is better than Midsommar. Midsommar is just a, to me personally, I'm not, let's get into the arguments. It's just a brighter fucking cult story. Okay. Uh, I can see that. So, so I see that obviously there have been a lot of parallels drawn between Midsommar and the wicker man however i feel like Mitsumar did that better and just like you i when i'm watching hereditary so hereditary didn't scare me but i do i do and i will give that to you i i i think it's it is the more original story however just like you there were times in hereditary where i'm looking at my watch waiting for something to happen and i understand that there's a lot of subtlety in in hereditary but it there were parts in it that just dragged to me and there was nowhere that I felt that that happened in in Midsommar and the reason and I'll get right into my my next uh so we're talking about the characters in in the movie uh because Midsommar is very much a character uh driven movie whereas I think Hereditary is more of a narrative driven driven story and i thought overall so the acting in hereditary or in uh, midsommar i think is absolutely perfect with maybe the exception of mark played uh by i believe his name what, what is what is his name will poulter so and, and again of course he's this douchebag character and so he's not given a whole lot of range to work with and so maybe that was maybe that was the his his letdown so i think that that is the one the one weak character so whether you're talking about the cult members whether you're, you're talking about an absolutely brilliant brilliant performance from florence Pugh uh as as danny and you know kind of a a nuanced and of course he's a he's a jackass he's a jerk but kind of a nuanced performance by jack rayner to that like that as ending christian. like his his yes as christian 
those those his final moments are are fucking devastating are just absolutely devastating when he gets when he gets drugged and i mean he plays that really really well uh, you know you can you can see just how uncomfortable that that he is with with everything that's happening and you know uh, the uh, josh and and uh you know simon and connie and all all these all these characters like i said the the, the cult members who are just you know extremely happy and you know with with the things that are that are going on and are so oh inviting and and you know and trying to draw in danny into the into this world and i i think all of all of that is just brilliantly played where i as i think you know and i won't get into my rebuttal i'll save my rebuttal but um you know versus versus mid but i'm interested in all these characters even though they're every single one of them in this in this film and in both of them but in in this film in particular are very very flawed characters and there are things that you hate about a lot of them and there's no way that you can get behind them yet you're engaged in what is happening to them you're engaged in where where this this story is taking and taking them and and i i i think like that like i said it is because of the magnificent magnificent performances that each of these uh actors are are playing out on on the screen before you the level of unlikability of every single character in this film is so high that i don't have any interest in seeing anything else that any of these other actors do i disagree with you so much about wanting to know and and they're flawed and all of these yeah, they're flawed. They're flawed to a point that I don't give a fuck. I want them to die. I want the cult to take every single one of them and throw them off that fucking cliff and smash their faces with that fucking hammer. I hated every single character in this movie. The cult members who were all, good thing they were wearing white because that's about as fucking interesting as they were as a fucking white t-shirt. They were all bland. They all blended into the background. There was nothing interesting about any single one of them, including the girl that put her fucking pubes in the pie. It, it, nothing, nothing. The heads of the cult, the people who jumped off the cliff, none of them were interesting. Not one damn one of them. All of the Americans that went there acted like stereotypical snotty asshole Americans. And having been through sibling death grief, Florence Pugh's representation of that is so inaccurate. It's disgusting to me. So there is absolutely nothing redeemable about her character. She was the one that I wanted to die the most. Um, now let's go to Hereditary, okay? Speaking of flawed characters, you start this movie off with the funeral of a grandmother and the reaction and the behavior of the mother, the daughter and her family at the funeral of the grandmother, full of people that they don't know, you know, and, 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 and it, it becomes very clear very early on in this film that every single person in this family has a horrible flaw. It's not just something that it's like, yeah, you're a normal person. It is that Annie 
played by the incomparable Tony Collette, doesn't know how to mother because she never was. And not only was she never mothered, she was never mothered to the point of abuse. So when you see her interacting with her children, both of the children have their own flaws, their own really awful things about themselves. Charlie's out here chopping heads off birds and putting them on fucking popsicle sticks. Peter is a shitty teenager times 10. He has no respect for his mother. And then you see Steven, the forgotten hero of this movie, Annie's husband, Peter and Charlie's father, who is so flawed. He is a doctor and he cannot separate himself from the fact that his wife is insane and has been for years. His children are so damaged from the life that they've grown up in. All he can see is I have to fix it and I have to make it okay. And sometimes people believe that fixing and making okay is by pretending that it's not real. And to watch the descent of this entire family into madness, possession, all of these things, because of the death of the grandmother, whom Annie didn't want anything to do with before, we remember that. Um, it's so intricate and it's so fascinating. And whether or not somebody is scared by the scares, which we'll get to later in this movie, you cannot ignore the dread, the loneliness, the claustrophobia that comes off of the characters themselves. The movie is dark because every single character in this movie is dark, where in comparison, Mitsumar is so bright because every single character is so vapid and empty and it's just reflecting all of the light. There is nothing there for anything to grab onto. Whereas in Hereditary, there is so much that any person watching that movie can find in any single character to identify with. That is what makes this a better character study. It makes it a scarier comp compilation is not the right word, but do you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's just the cast is better. It's a better ensemble. Cast. Yeah. But yeah, you're, say, you're saying like a better ensemble. Yeah. yeah. All right. So as far as, as, as my rebuttal is concerned, and so I agree with you that the, a lot of the cult members and you, you get them confused, you know, all the women kind of, kind of look, you know, similar, act similar, all of the men, you know, uh, look similar and act similar and all, all this stuff. And, you know, you say, okay, that's, that, uh, that's not interesting, but it, it's, it's a very conscious choice. And what this is, so this is my rebuttal. It's a very conscious choice by Ari Aster to say that this is an all encompassing entity that is drawing you into the fold. And this is, this is a, a very powerful cult. And we see that when, you know, when they are empathizing in with with Danny in her in that, that that grieving scene and stuff like that sharing sharing the pain and sharing the the emotion these are all one person basically and and I find that very very not only scary 
but but very interesting uh, to watch. Uh, as far as as hereditary is concerned, I, I agree that the performances are are good, but they are every one of them, except with maybe the exception of of you know the father or Charlie. Uh, to a certain extent, but even them kind of is just dialed up to 11. And, and I understand and maybe it is a maybe maybe it is a better depiction uh, of grief to where you you will lose control of yourself. But it also kind of graded on on my nerves a little bit that you know, every single scene you have Tony Collette just screaming, uh, you know, about about this or, or, or about, you know, about something. And it kind of took me out of the film. And I you know, again, I, I know that, the, you know, maybe this is this is just, you know, taste and all that kind of and kind of, kind of stuff or experience that you're that you're looking for. Um, but, you know, that's just that that's the way that it, that it hit me. It's just, you know, it kind of it kind of took me out of it um, a, a little bit. And like I said, I don't have those experiences. So maybe that's maybe that's, you know, on me, um, you know, and I understand that. So, um, but, you know, just as far as the experience is concerned and as, you know, as a, a subjective movie watching, you know, experience uh, for me, uh, you know, it, it kind of took me out to where, uh, you know, Mitsumar, which you said, you know, uh, this is not how people handle this. And I, I get that, but, it, you know, um, but I related to it, to it more, you know, because because of that maybe like i said maybe it is because i don't i don't have that 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 type of uh, experience with you know that portion or that that specific type of grief but uh as uh, also you know as as far as the you know the the characters being uninteresting you know uh, like not follow you know not being able to you know get behind them and i agree i i do not like anybody in hereditary and yet i the it's but the the journey to what's going to happen to them i'm i'm very very much interested in the process of you know their downfall and so that that's what it was like you know i'm not rooting for anybody there's not a single character in there that i'm rooting for but i'm interested in the process of, of you know of how this cult is going to take effect and how it's going to interweave into the lives and how it's going to affect because they do have differing personalities everyone has has their own personalities and their own unique ways that they are approaching the situation that they're in and so i i thought that was you know whether it's the you know the stupid fuck boy of you know mark or whether it's you know uh just the coldness of of christian or you know and all these different things um so you know, I'm, I'm wondering how this, you know, how this entity, like I said, is going to affect every single one of, of these people. And that it had me more interested. It doesn't. Why, why are you interested in how the entity is going to see? I'm turning this into a discussion. I'm sorry. I just interrupted you. <laughs> no, it's okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh, no, but I, 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 I did like I'm in Midsommar, I felt like kind of an out-of-body experience. Like you're watching the movie, yes, but it's like I was there, like observing the impact that this was going to have on, on everybody. And I, th I think it did have an impact, but I, I know you, dis <laughs> you disagree. Cinematography, because this is an absolutely stunning film. What Ari Aster, you know, kind of dabbled in, in Hereditary, he perfected in, in Midsommar. And it's not just that it's a bright film. Yes, this is a, a horror film shot in the daytime, but it's gorgeous. It is an absolute 
gorgeous feast from the eyes from the opening shot of of those woods which is kind of a, a darker thing that is absolutely beautiful to the uh the architecture to the tapestries the the set design is is a you know part a whole part of the cinematography that's absolutely just beautiful and stunning uh everything about this is like picked with a fine tooth comb and is absolute perfection when it comes to shot making okay well again i will say what i have said many times the cinematography of this movie, it is beautiful. This is a beautifully shot movie. However, it's nature. Nature is inherently beautiful. Daytime is inherently beautiful. White dresses, white clothes, natural buildings in the middle of nature are inherently beautiful. This movie is very beautiful because Ari Aster used nature. What he did in Hereditary was he sculpted an actual nightmare. And to do that, to capture the disorientation of an actual nightmare, an actual night terror is brilliant because you know when you have a nightmare everything is darker in your dreams because it's dark and a lot of people sleep with their arms over their eyes or their heads in the pillows which makes everything even darker so what is beautiful about hereditary is that you're in this house this sculpted building the architecture makes no sense you have these giant rooms with these very low ceilings and these very narrow walls and these very dark corners, which make it feel claustrophobic on top of the fact that you have an entire family that this movie centers around who are so disassociated from each other that that in itself is claustrophobic. And then every single person is dealing with their grief process separately, which also lends to the claustrophobia. But what Ari Aster did in Hereditary, as opposed to Midsommar with the giant open fields, which are again, nature, he took this home. He started the opening shot of this movie was the house. And then it closed in on a miniature of the house. Where the fuck are we? Are we in someone's dream? Are we in an alternate dimension are we in a different reality and to keep it dark and to have first the mother then charlie then annie on the ceiling these and these entities these these figures in the dark that did i just see that something that is always striking about a really well shot movie, especially horror, is the character looks over toward the corner, you look over toward the corner. If you don't have the exact right lighting, did I just see that? And then you rewind it. And then you see like, holy shit, I did see that. That's amazing. 
That's fucking terrifying. Nothing is scarier than not knowing what is going on. That is where the cinematography in Hereditary does beat Midsommar because you don't know what's happening. You can't see everything. That is horror. That is a good horror movie that you you can't tell. I have to rewatch this. And that scene when Peter wakes up in his bedroom and he sees Charlie and the ball and he turns, he doesn't even turn around. He doesn't even fucking see her. That fucking Annie, his mother is possessed by the demon. Just Spider-Manning up on the fucking ceiling. Fuck off. That is absolutely terrifying. And there is not one scene in Midsommar that comes close to any of the I don't know what's happenings in Hereditary. Okay. Uh, I can I can respect that. Now, I do uh, disagree a little bit. So I think that and and again, you're 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 right. Nature is nature is beautiful. The architecture is is just gorgeous. But I don't think that that is a, a negative on the on this film. I mean, that would be one of the things that I point as uh, as a positive. And yes, so I would say that even though Hereditary uses a lot of things that are very effective, that a lot of the transition shots, like you were talking about are extremely effective and unnerving. I think that Ari Aster also uses claustrophobia just as well, if if not better, in Midsommar, whether you're talking about the scene in the, the prayer house or whether you're talking about the scene at the, you know, the very, the, the very end with the sacrifice, I don't know how you would say it, but sacrifice house, I guess, and all, all, all these things. Um, he he builds like the he, and you're right you like he has these wide open spaces these wide open fields or the the you know the cliffs but it's it's kind of a way that you know he he is shooting this film and saying yes you know what's coming whether you know in you know and hereditary like you said is is a little bit a, a little bit different where you don't know what's going to happen but in Midsommar you do you kind of know that everybody is in for a bad ending you kind of see it happening it's like a train wreck but there's nothing that you can do to stop it it is coming at you full force and you just have to experience that and the cinematography is is brilliant whether you're talking about the the dance scenes that are that are shot you know with you know overhead and close up the the close-ups that that he uses uh you know the the dream sequences in this film that are that are just absolutely magnificent and kind of you know i don't know a little bit uh, a little bit off-putting and, and leave you off balance it's it's not only a gorgeous film but he uses the cinematography and the aspects in the film in a very very smart way to trap you in as the audience and force you on the ride that you're going on all right so as far so the next next category we, we we have is is story and so this one is going to be uh, going to be a little more a little more difficult for me, but kind of like I touched on in the 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 previous the you know the previous thing that how Ari Aster uses uses the shots and all that stuff to lead you on this journey. Um, this this is like 
I said, uh, you know, kind of like a train wreck or a runaway train that uh, you are going faster and faster to the end of of the narrative. And there's nothing anybody can do. Not, there's nothing you can do as the audience. There's nothing that the, the characters can do. It's like everything in this movie is kind of predisposed to ending in a, a very, very tragic way, which it which it does. And so it's it's not so much there there are not so much surprises in this film, but the feeling of of losing control of yourself that is the story in this movie. And I think it's it's just brilliantly done and captivating. Everybody but fucking Florence Pugh, who I still, as a protagonist, will never give a fucking shit about. You whiny little asshole. Okay? A. B. Every single fucking person in this movie does what they want and they suffer the fucking consequences. That's real fucking life. That's not scary. That's fuck around and find out. Okay. In Hereditary, the story of the most nurturing, caring, loving, safe people in your life, your mother, your grandma, turns out are the things that are causing your demise. That is a terrifying idea. And it is executed so well in Hereditary. It starts at the beginning. It starts at the beginning with the funeral and with Annie's eulogy that she basically explains, I didn't like my mother. I don't know that much about her. Apparently she had a lot of friends. Okay, that's your mom. Everybody's supposed to have this special relationship with their mother. Annie doesn't have that. So that starts the story of Annie's a terrible mother because her mother was a terrible mother. So you already have that, that you're never going to know any more about. You don't know, you never in Hereditary find out what the relationship exactly was between Annie and her mother, except that Annie didn't trust her mother. She didn't want a relationship with her mother. However, she felt that obligation to her mother to try to continue. And what that did was it allowed death and destruction and literally the devil into her family, the family that she created, that she chose her mate. She had her children. She bore her children. She raised her children. She didn't want children. She didn't want the responsibility of being a mother because she knew that she wouldn't be a good mother. She explains that to Peter. I tried to miscarry. That is terrifying. And it is absolutely soul crushing for a child to hear that from their parent. On top of, Annie knows that her mom was a bad mom. She knows that she's a bad mom because of her bad mom, but she doesn't know why. And the continuation of everything and it, 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 the evolution of this story within those two hours of we still at the end of it we don't know what Annie and Lee's relationship was 
growing up. We know that it wasn't good, but we don't know any of the intricacies. We don't know any of the details. However, we can kind of start to pick it up with Annie had a brother who killed himself because he said that his mom was trying to get the devil in him. Annie doesn't have a good relationship with Peter or Charlie because she had a sibling who the devil was trying to get into. She doesn't want anything to do with that. Um, you have the relationship with Annie and Steven, which you can, you can tell that she loves him. And you can obviously tell that he loves her. He's a fucking doctor. He sees his crazy ass fucking wife and he still wants to be with her and he still wants to cure her. He wants to take care of his children. He wants to take on all of these different roles that maybe not necessarily are his. And you move through, I mean, this movie doesn't take place across three or four years. This movie takes place across like six weeks. And for a story to move that quickly and you feel the fast pace of what is happening is absolutely unheard of. The pacing of something that is paced so slowly and to watch, as far as the story goes, to watch Annie's descent into madness, that it turns out she's not fucking crazy. And the one person in her life that she loves more than anything else, it's not Charlie, it's not Peter, it's Stephen. Stephen is her savior. She kills him. And to see the despair on top, like followed immediately by, I give up, here comes the demon. And to watch, so then the story switches again. It switches to Peter's perspective. That what the fuck is happening? I broke my nose and I'm fucking waking up in the middle of the night. But is it the middle of the night? Because again, with the cinematography, it's always dark in this house, but maybe it's still the middle of the day. You can't tell. There's always light at the windows, but there's never light in the house. That was brilliant. So as far as, as my rebuttal, and there's nothing that I can say about the, the story in Hereditary is, is, is phenomenal. Uh, and so there's, there, there's no rebuttal to that. It's, it's, it's an absolutely brilliant story. It's, it's really, really good. Um, but what I would say is, that the the ride that you that you go on in in hereditary is you know just like I said maybe maybe it's just to me but it's it's a lot more fascinating um, than anything that we see. This might answer your question. It's about eight twenty nine and thirty eight seconds p.m. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> it's just interrupted by my technology. Uh, but um, the ride that you go on in in Midsommar are is is just fascinating uh to me and it's you know like i said it's it's much more captivating than anything that we get in in hereditary all right so scares in midsommar so there are so the scares aspect in in this movie it's a it's a lot less about uh you know about you know jump scares it's a lot less um about like the atmosphere that is that is happening, um, and there is it's it's a lot more about the you know uh, about the journey that they're going on and the visceral nature of of what happens to each one of these. I mean, these characters 
get off in like some very, very messed up ways. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, like I said, you're, you're, you're rocketing to this conclusion and the, the, like the final shot, uh, of, of this film and the opening shot, both of them are just absolutely insane. I've never seen, I've never seen an opening like, like what we get in, in Midsommar and the closing as, as well. And the like I said, I know, like, um, so the, like the, the, yeah, the, the opening where, you know, you, you find, um, you know, what happened to, you know, the sister and, and the parents and all that stuff. And then at, at the end, when you get the sacrifice and then Danny just has like, she, she goes from grieving and then it just, everything flips and she is totally on board with everything that has happened and just smiles at the end of it. Um, I think it's just completely unnerving. There was nothing scary about this movie. Nothing. If you go to the extreme deaths of all of the characters, then it becomes a slasher. If you go to the descent into the madness that can come from grief, then it's a very mild psychological maybe horror. There, if, if you go into what happens to Christian at the end, okay, it's revenge porn. Okay. Yeah, your boyfriend's a dick. You fucking burn him in a bear suit. Okay, cool. There's nothing scary about that. Because at any point in this time, you are in the middle of a giant fucking field, okay? In the middle of absolutely fucking nowhere with all of these fucking trees everywhere. I grew up in the fucking woods. When they go left, you go right. They're not gonna fucking find you. Life is in a fucking cabin in the woods, trapped in the forest fucking movie. You can lose somebody in the woods. If you really wanted to get the fuck out of there, you would have fucking left. You're not trapped there. These people are smaller than you. Punch them in the fucking mouth. Fucking move. This movie is not scary. And Florence Pugh's smile at the end, to me, is not scary. To me, that smile at the end is just this little fucking whiny ass fucking princess bitch who finally is getting all of the attention that she wanted the entire fucking time. Good for fucking you, Florence Pugh. Go put, you, go put your fucking pubes in a fucking pie then. Good, good, May Queen, great. That's wonderful. However, if we're going to get into scares, we're gonna talk about the fact that Hereditary begins in the opening fucking scene in a fucking funeral with a person who is speaking about their parent who does not know their fucking parent. The dread of not only losing a parent, but losing a parent that it turns out you don't know anything about and having to speak on that, that's already scary. And then moving forward, you have the teenager who hates everything about his life. You have the very young teenager. I think Charlie was 13. Um, who the parents see developing some very disturbing interests and habits. She's sleeping in the treehouse every night. She's walking through the field alone. At school, she's making weird sculptures. She's cutting the heads off of birds when the teachers aren't looking. And she's pasting them 
to these little art projects. That's scary. Then you have the idea. Okay, so you're already feeling this dread and you don't know why. Dread in itself is inherently scary. Then this movie that you think you have an idea of what might be going on, there's something going on with Charlie, but we're not quite sure why. Because if you notice, Stephen has no patience for Charlie. Annie has no patience for Charlie. Peter has no patience for Charlie until she eats the nuts at the party and he tries to take her to the hospital, which is when this entire movie within the first like half hour, 45 minutes is completely turned on its ear. She's beheaded in the car. That is terrifying to be the person driving the car that you knock somebody else's head off of, to be the older sibling that's driving the car that knocks your younger sibling's head off. You're supposed to take care of this person. You are trying to save this person. How scary is it that you're trying to save somebody from one thing, but you subject them to another? That's scary. To be a parent, not only to lose a child, but you get into your car in the morning and your fucking child's headless body is in the back seat of your fucking car and you have no idea why. It could have been a serial killer. What? June, even when she's being sweet and you think she's innocent, everything, there's something off kilter about her. There's something about this entire movie that is so off center and so off, it's so disorienting with the claustrophobia of the house, with the brightness and the openness of everything outside of the house that you can't quite, you can never wrap your head around it. For Peter as a high school student to start experiencing something that he doesn't understand, there is nothing more embarrassing than losing control of yourself in front of other people, except for being a teenager and losing control of yourself in front of other people when he does. He's scared about that. He's scared about why did this just happen? Annie is scared because she figures out what's going on, but she's already been insane. So nobody is listening to her. One of the scariest things that I've ever seen in the history of movies is the dining room scene when Annie fucking loses it. The scares in this movie are so visceral and so visual, but so subtle. At the same time, there's subtlety and then there's in your face. You can't get scarier than both of those things happening at the same time. You know, I kind of had the, the same thought as as you did, you know, with like Vince and Mara, like, why didn't you just punch the cult members in the face instead of jumping out the, <laughs> the window as, as, as like Peter did? Um, so I, you know, I, 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 I was thinking like kind of along the same lines, like, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you're a, you know, a teenage, a teenage boy, even if you're not used to you know, the physicality and all that, all that stuff. I mean, you have, you have youth on your side, you know, why, why are, you know, you worried about the, and I understand like how weird that would be for a bunch of naked people uh, just to show up at your house and all this crazy stuff is going down. But um, I just, you know, I, I was, I was thinking about, you know, the, 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 the same, the same thing. And, you know, along the same lines and again you know because Ari Aster he he works in these veins you know I was thinking uh, you know along the same lines as 
as you were when it comes to Midsommar, that these were, you know, people that were trying to go along for the ride at, you know, most of them, not, you know, with the exception again of Mark, but, you know, most of them were trying to, were trying to fit in, trying to go with the flow. So um, they were the, like these cult members were using like all this manipulation uh, against them, you know, whether it was, you know, taking, you know, taking the drugs and stuff like that, which, you know, put them off and made them made stupid ass decisions because you're not going to make all you're always going to make the greatest decisions when you've been ingesting uh drugs and they use that ag against them and so it's like you know the same kind of losing control of the situation that you felt with hereditary i felt also with midsommar to where they you know yes they were making terrible decisions but you know there there was kind of a a, a reason behind it and you know and then like by by the end of it there was really nothing that they could do to stop what had what had happened to them and some of like you know some of those some of those scenes whether it was you know colin hanging in you know in the roost and all that stuff was was ridiculous where you get the i, I think they call it like the blood eagle or, or something like that um uh where he was just flayed and it was just so shocking uh so so shocking to me or josh that when he gets uh, when when somebody just s smashes him over the head and you get the reveal of who he's he's actually talking to on, and and all that you know well, that that lure was was absolute I thought was absolutely terrifying as well in in Midsommar. Well, that's that's it for us. So we've got our we're going to now do our closing statements for our movies. Um, so again, you know, just to to recap, I think. Midsommar is almost a perfect film that it builds on what is has come before that it takes these homages and something I I mentioned to you while watching this film, you know, as an an, an homage to the Wicker Man that the main that the, the main person that is sacrificed in this movie is named Christian be, you know, because of the influence of that movie. But what I think it does is it is it takes that to the next level whether you're talking about cinematography uh you know whether you're talking about the actual practices of of this of this cult their mythology their architecture all all these things that you know build to this amazing climax uh that that we get that i thought just ended in the absolute best way possible uh, whether you think that's, you know, that that's off-putting or whether you, you know, you think, and again, and I, I kind of agree with you that this is, uh, none of these people are are good people. And, you know, even uh, even Florence Pugh's uh, character, I don't think is an actual protagonist. I don't think that there's a protagonist in this movie, but I think that that's intentional. And I think it's, it's, it's really uh, brilliantly done. There's nothing scarier than the dark. Hereditary is dark. It is claustrophobic. It is a deal with the devil. As far as a psychological horror goes, this works. As far as a haunting goes, this works. As far as a possession goes, this works. This movie works on so many levels. It works as one of the most beautiful movies that I've ever seen in my entire life. It also works as this is a beautiful movie that can also scare you. They use the beauty of the dark and twist it into 
what's scary in the dark. And it comes together in such, I'm going to use this word again, it's dark and it's twisted and it's despairing and it's despondent character study of what happens to a family when grief hits you and you don't have anybody to support you. And to see this story unfold through the eyes of so many different characters is absolutely astonishing. You've never seen a movie. I can guarantee anybody who's listening right now has never seen a movie like this told from so many perspectives that you can feel for so many people, but at the same time, you don't root for anybody because what's the point? You know from the beginning of this film that it's not gonna end well for anyone, but you still want to stick around to find out why? That is amazing. Speaking of not having a protagonist, every single person in this movie is an antagonist maybe except for Steven, who is not one of the main characters. He is very much a supporting character and he dies. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, that's, uh, we, Gabby and I, we, we made our best uh, cases for these, these movies that we, that Mm -hmm. we love and adore. Um, so we're going to leave it. We're going to leave it up to y'all. I'm gonna we're we're gonna po- post this on the socials. We'll give it a few days so you can listen and vote. Who made the better case? If you would like to, if this is your first time listening uh, to this episode, you can follow us on Twitter at Woods Podcast One or Instagram at Woods Podcast One. We also have uh, a Patreon that is Patreon forward slash Woods Podcast. Uh, where you can help us make this show just a little bit better. And every single, every single dollar that, that you donate goes right back into, into the show. Um, and we, we love you guys. We love our listeners. And uh, that, is, that is it for us tonight. Uh, so say good night, Gabby. Good night. Good night, guys. And uh, we will see you all very soon.